Hey everybody, welcome back to Group Chat. And as always, if you want more, go to rushcreek.org, go to the groups page, and down at the bottom, click on the resource button. Okay, guys, welcome in. Uh, want to apologize right off the bat if the uh, quality of this podcast sounds a bit differently. Uh, if you're listening to this, we are doing the recording of this during the plague of coronavirus. And uh, we're having to uh, do these from remote locations uh, with uh, limited equipment. So please be patient with the quality for this for the next uh, couple of seasons. We've uh, recorded two seasons, seasons three and four during this time. So we apologize for that, but we wanted to make sure that we got these done for y'all. And we wanted to keep uh, keep giving you guys some solid training. Um, so today we have Cole Gidros here with us, uh, and he is here to talk to us today about spiritual warfare, uh, maybe a more common term, but we'll call it discouragement in group life as a group leader, uh, discouragement for group members, um, and kind of how to approach that. So Cole, thanks for, uh, being flexible. I mean, it's about all we can do in this period, right? Yes. God bless us all. So hopefully, <laughs> by, the time, hopefully by the time you guys are listening to this, this is all done. So that, that would be amazing. Yes, please. Anytime. I would take, yes, I, I would take a trailer hitch to the shin to put <laughs> <lift> stuff over. <laughs> so, but anyways, we'll jump right into it. So Cole, you're here to talk to us about spiritual warfare. Um, so that's kind of a, uh, I don't know how many people actually use that term anymore. We hear it a lot, maybe in church, but um, maybe a lot of people think it's kind of over spiritual or creepy or whatever. So we'll just start off saying like, when we say spiritual warfare, like what are we talking about? Yeah, that's actually a weighty question just because of the differences you can get around uh, all the different people you talk to. Um, But honestly, in the Bible, the Bible makes it very clear that there is not just the physical realm. Obviously, our God is spirit. Um, and that we're not just um, living against and having um, our lives impacted by the physical, but also spiritual. And so when people say spiritual warfare, most of the time what they were referring to is the activity of angels, demons, like God, and all the kind of spiritual realm that we think of, which is, is a good thought. And most of the time we get this from Ephesians 6, where Paul says um, very clearly, Um, for we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, the physical, but we wage war against the principalities, the authorities, and all these different things. He's describing the spiritual realm. And so Paul, as he's saying that, you know, we have the very famous section about um, putting on the armor of God, right? The breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of the gospel of peace, those types of things. Um, And so the Bible makes it very clear kind of the spiritual warfare is this idea that spiritual forces are constantly opposed to God being the king and God of creation, and they're opposed to his authority as the king through disrupting his purposes and promises. That's really kind of the idea what spiritual warfare is, is that we have an enemy um, that's specifically out to disrupt God's promises and purposes in the world. Um, and so most of the time, how does that impact us? Cause it sounds like it's all directed towards God, but we're God's image bearers. 
And so God's purposes is for us to become worshipers of him. And God has made promises to his image bearers in Christ. And so spiritual warfare is the idea of these spiritual forces opposing that authority and and those promises and purposes of God. And a lot of the time, like you had already mentioned, that comes up as discouragement in our life, that comes up as insecurity, and all these different temptations in the world to sin. So that's kind of a generic what spiritual warfare is. It's a disruption by a spiritual force against the purposes and promises of God. All right. And then you kind of you kind of started to lead into the next question, and, and we'll get into it now, is like, so we talk about that. That's kind of the 40,000-foot theological overview. Right. When we try and like, there's a whole lot more to that. So when we try and sure. specifically ex- see that in um, the life of a small group, kind of what would that look like specifically in a small group? Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's great because, again, this is such a weighty topic that sometimes we can wonder how does this apply to us or we can go to the extreme and go everything about this is spiritual warfare and we don't want to go way too out to the left field also. And so one of the things that you kind of want to see um, with spiritual warfare is that we really have three enemies. I think the number one that we always like to talk about is Satan and his demons. Um, but there's really three enemies, and that is our flesh, the world, and Satan and his um, demons. And that's kind of what makes up the spiritual warfare that wants to bring disruption. And so I bring that up just to say, what does this look like in the life of a group leader? Well, how often does our flesh and our hearts almost feel downcast and discouraged about the group we're leading? How often do we feel insecure that the Bible study we just led profited no one? Um, How often are we tempted as group leaders um, to sin in whatever way it affects us, whether that's um, maybe different lustful thoughts or sexual urges, maybe that's um, in the life of a group leader saying, you know what, I have no time for God. And so I'm I'm choosing all these other areas of entertainment instead of actually being ministered to by God so I can minister to my group really well. Um, Sometimes, honestly, at least in my life, it's believing that I'm somehow outside of God's grace as a leader and that I've stepped so far that I can no longer be used by God and believing some of those lies and thoughts. And so those are just practical ways that we see it. And most of the time what that is is our flesh and our, our what the Bible calls our old self before we were saved in Christ, um, kind of still waging war for us to not believe fully in the promises and purpose of God so that we'll be used greatly by him. And so if the enemy above all things can lie to our hearts about who we are in Christ, what the purposes and mission of God is in our group and the effect he's having, um, I mean, he could ruin so many different uh, really ruins so many different plans God has for our group members. Um, if we start believing those things, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That's big. So, um, like, like I said, maybe we'll kind of, and you kind of said a little bit of this, but mm-hmm. I kind of want to tease this out because, yeah. um, I mean, culturally like spiritual warfare is almost taboo. because when you think of you think of spiritual warfare you think of satan and demons you think of like exorcist movies and (laughs) and and things like that you know so like remove some of the stigmas you know like practically like let's just kind of keep talking about ways this kind of shows up um well since mainly probably most people that listen to this as a group leader we'll talk about a group leader. 
Um, in what ways do you think Satan would attack a group leader? Uh, you know, removing like the horror movie stigmas, just like, <laughs> like, like, re- like realistically, like, yeah. what, you know, what are some targets in their life? Yeah, honestly, I, I think, uh, one, Satan has great power, right? He has, um, we don't want to mess with him. Um, the Bible makes that clear. But um, it's interesting. Satan's tactics have never changed throughout history. Um, they may look a little different um, on the person. But if you look at how Jesus even calls them. So in John 8, verse 44, notice what he calls Satan. He says, the father of lies. Um, and then when you look at the garden account um, with Adam and Eve, how did he tempt Adam and Eve to disrupt God's purposes and promises in their life? by lying to them about what God has actually said, um, or even the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4, right? How does he tempt him? Um, with all these different reiterations of what God said, it's all lying. Um, and so we, I make that truth known because when you're looking at the book of Ephesians, which obviously ends with spiritual warfare, which and you kind of want to wonder, why does he end there? Well, one, the church of Ephesus is a giant it was big into mysticism and spirituality and stuff like that. But chapters one through five seem all theological and church organization. But the truth of the matter is if you're looking at church organization and like chapter four and all that, it's all about truth and combating lies. Notice he says, lay off um, uh, falsehood, lay aside uh, lying, no more gossiping. These are all truth claims. And so when he gets the armor, one of the, the, the number one thing he puts on there is this belt of truth, right? It holds all the other armor up. And so I bring that up just to say, Jesus is calling Satan the father of lies. How does Satan attack group leaders if Satan himself is doing it the way he does all the time? And that is lying to us about what God has said about us and what God wants for us. And so in the life of a group leader, like I said, the number one area I see it is discouragement. You'd, you'd be shocked at how many group leaders come up to the group's pastors and say, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think my group's getting anything out of this. I, I feel inequipped to be able to do this. And all those are lies. Um, now, there may be different avenues of growth that need to happen, and that's okay. Everyone's in there. But this, the enemy, by using our flesh, wants us to say, I can't be used, no matter where I'm at in my growth process. You can't be used People don't want to hear this. Or <laughs> if he can't get you with those lies of discouragement saying you can't do something, he's going to send people in your group um, that will be in their flesh to really either gossip or hurt you to where you're going to go. I don't want to deal with these people. I don't want to love them like the Bible says. Um, and so I think that those are two prime areas in a group leader's life is the lies of discouragement that can come straight to our heart or the use of people in their flesh to make me feel like I can't do this either. Um, and both those are very easily combated, even though it's hurtful by, I think what we're going to talk about next. And that is the idea of how does a group help me combat spiritual warfare? How do I have victorious life in spiritual warfare? Um, and, Cause that's the thing. Every area is a spiritual area um, because our flesh, the world or Satan is always there. <laughs> so it's always a spiritual warfare time. The question is, are we living victoriously in that or are we still playing as victims? Um, but I think those are prime areas. It's Satan lying to us about what God's word has to say about us. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get to our, our final question here. And this is going to kind of 
close it out. So um, we'll talk about the group themselves. If we, um, well, I'll put it this way. How does a group look out for each other um, or be on the lookout for indicators of spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. in their group? And uh, how do they recognize those? And then what are some practical steps they can take to, to combat those? Yeah, no, I think those are great questions. Um, Sometimes it can be difficult to identify um, with every person because every person's personality kind of, I don't know, tends to show emotions and do things differently when they're in a state of discouragement or spiritual warfare. But I think common um, signs of spiritual warfare um, is one, um, almost an attitude of defeat. And what I mean by that is not that everyone's walking around saying, oh man, woe is me. But there almost seems to be a a lack of a, a, a passion for God in what we're doing in group, which is loving on people and growing in our knowledge of who Christ is, man, that should be a passion. Um, maybe, uh, um, how would I say this? A, a failure of spiritual rhythms in our life. Meaning we put those on a back burner because we just say, I just don't know if I want to get to that. I don't feel like I should pray anymore. I'm not getting anything out of the word. All these different terminologies that sometimes we use are actually signs of a spiritual warfare because everything in our flesh and um, wants us to not come closer to God, right? That's what spiritual warfare is, opposing God's promises. So whenever we see signs of spiritual rhythms failing, that usually is a sign of some type of spiritual warfare coming to our life or this attitude of almost defeat of, you know, I don't have anything to give today or I didn't do my study today. Now I'm not saying every single time that's what it is, but if you see a consistent pattern of, of things like that, it's good to go alongside your brothers and sisters and ask, Hey man, I'd love to hear about what's, what's going on in your life. Like what's affecting that. A lot of the times spiritual warfare can affect our families. If we have, you know, um, immediate families. I think a lot of the time that I've seen um, is a lot of time our spouses can feel it uh, maybe before our groups can. And so if maybe if your spouse, like, and just recognizing signs of, of your spouse and going, man, he's off or she's off bringing it to your group, not in a public kind of way, but in the, Hey, I would love some prayer about this area of our life. Um, I think those are big signs of, of spiritual warfare kind of going on in individuals' lives. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Cole, we'll wrap it up. And I think just in time, because I think our, uh, our zoom is starting to get a little spotty. Um, so Uh-oh. yeah, so we don't want to, we don't want to have any technical difficulties. So we've got some good info. We'll call it good on that. Thank you for mm-hmm. joining us, sir. And thank you all for listening and thank you for being patient with us. Hey, if um, you don't mind, can I say one more thing? Yeah, go for it. Sweet. So one thing I wanted to just remind everybody when we're dealing with spiritual warfare that I didn't get to was that why is community so important? Community reminds us to be to come equipped to fight every day. So a lot of the time we'll we'll go into a, a, a group or, or we'll really go into our day and not think about spiritual warfare in the sense of I have enemies against me. And so we'll go on to basically the battlefield of life and say, you know what, I don't need armor. I'm not here to battle. But community reminds us that we need to get armored up every day. And so remember to speak truth um, to one another, right? That's what Ephesians keeps saying. And so one big way that the community helps us hold firm and be victorious in this is that they, they speak that truth on a constant basis, not just in group, 
But how often are we sending out reminders and communicating with one another saying, hey, man, there's a battle and I want you to know God is with us. So that'd be my biggest thing for community is it helps us become equipped to fight. Yep. Good word. Good word, sir. Cole, thank you again. Thank you all for listening and we will see you next time. Thanks again, guys, for listening in. And if you want to hear more, go to rushcreek.org, go to the groups page, and at the bottom, click on the button that says resources.